welcome to episode 11 of Politics. Uh, where, where were we? Well, we were about two and a half years ago, so this one has been two and a half years in the making. Yay, I'm Laura. I'm Chris, C.P. McLennan. And uh, it has been two and a half years since we've done this. Yeah, it's been a while. We've been through a lot. We now have, our situation has changed. We now have kids full-time, which is unusual for us. Now, it's been a year now since we've had the kids full-time, but that really caused a change in our lifestyle, a change in how we handled things. Well, when you have minors in the household uh, all the time, it doesn't allow for space and opportunity for some adult fun. This is true. This is very true. So you have to work around it. Yeah, well, you absolutely do. (laughs) You absolutely do. And as they get older, it gets easier because they can stay home and you can go wherever. That's true. That said, sometimes it's finding where wherever is. That's the problem. It can be a challenge for sure. It can be. So just to reintroduce what we're doing, this is our exploration of polyamory, our exploration of ethical non-monogamy. I have been a blogger and a writer myself for about 15 years now on some of on the subject and of course fiction writing, novels, etc. And Laura and I, we've been together seven years, six years as of this past week in our open marriage. We don't claim to be experts by any stretch of the imagination. This is all about just uh, sharing our experiences and our thoughts. Um, We have found that it is difficult to find other people that we can learn from. And usually when you're learning something new, you're looking for some kind of model to learn from and to to mimic until you find your feet. But in polyamory, it's, it's difficult to find. It's relatively unexplored in a modern sense, which leads to two problems. First off, there's a lot of that celebrity culture. They all lean on the celebrities. They all lean on what so-and-so say about this and whatever. When the celebrities really are not living the life we are, so it's not really a fair way to set those examples. And the other problem is that you also get to sometimes find out the pratfalls after you've gone by them. Sometimes you'll find mistakes that you made that really wasn't a mistake because you didn't realize something existed, like boundaries and things like that. I feel there's a story behind there. Well, I'll give the example, and it's not so much a story as just something that we've come across a lot of, is when we get involved with a lot of people, and maybe it's just our welcoming nature, we tend to attract a lot of new people to the lifestyle. And sometimes that's problematic because... They're trying it out. They're dipping in their toes and they have no clue what they're doing. And sometimes you realize that as a boundary, there might actually be a need for experience on the other side. It goes to the saying that you don't know something till you know it. Experience is the best teacher and it's difficult. And when you have a range of people that you're meeting at various different uh, points in their emotional maturity... And they're exploring something that does require quite a bit of emotional maturity. And you start to get involved with someone, it's, it sort of leads to, to problems that you don't necessarily come across, I think, when the expectation is monogamy. And we've been through a number of people over the last two and a half years, and I hate to say it that way. We've had a number of differing relationships over the last two and a half years. And some have gone better than others, but it's in a lot of cases, I think, 
In fact, I can't think of any where the people involved that we've gotten involved with are experienced, even in remotely. We've brought new people into this lifestyle. And I wonder what that would be like dating someone that's experienced in polyamory as opposed to having to walk through the definitions and spend a lot of time in conversation about this is how I see things, this is how I feel, um, sharing articles, sharing memes uh, to kind of find a common ground if they're both looking for the same thing. In fact, this series of podcasts have been quite helpful <laughs> to, to share with new people in terms of how we feel and how we look at the world and, and introduce our expectations and thoughts. Well, in a sense, that's how you and I met. When we first met, we were doing the online, the traditional online dating, which 30 years ago would not have been seen as so traditional, but these days that's normal. And I immediately pointed you to my website where you were able to get a sense of how I write, what I was doing already. Most of the time you don't get that with someone else. Most of the time you don't have that opportunity because, well, we're a little different that way. We're, I'm very open about what I am, even in my normal everyday life in some cases. Not everybody can do that, but that's an advantage I have in that sense. It goes to, you know, the communication, right? It, it's when you're sitting down and meeting someone new you don't want to pry like what exactly are your you know goals and what are you trying to think but you're sort of searching for that common ground do you see sex the same way i do do you see values the same way i do what are your priorities in your fun time you know are you an adventurous person are you introverted extroverted there's a lot that kind of goes into that communication of understanding there really is and you didn't even talk about fetishes no. No. Okay. I didn't even go that far. <laughs> that is actually sometimes part of it. Although that's one of the misnomers about polyamory. And I remember seeing those memes that have been out there. This is what you think it is. This is what your parents think it is. This is what society thinks it is. And this is what it is. And somewhere in there, polyamory is seen as a pure orgy. One of the, I think it's society sees it that way or some combination thereof. Well, you have the, the wide spectrum of how people view sex. You have people who are celibate to the people that are full-fledged, rampagingly sexual, <laughs> and different sort of views of what's acceptable and what's not. So you're trying to navigate that with someone. How do you communicate in a way knowing that you don't, well, not knowing how the other person sees those boundaries? True. And in addition, when we're brought up in a traditional monogamous sense, you have that theory of the one. You have that selfish idea put in your head that there's a soulmate out there just made for you. Just for you. Whereas polyamory flies in the face of that. And it actually goes along a lot more with one of my theories is that there are many good fits. They're not all, there is no one, but there are many, there may be a very few who are extraordinary fits, like I feel you and I are, but I don't ever think there's one person out there, which also, again, me being atheist, the soulmate suggests a religious aspect to it as well, as though someone was created for you. And most of us, when we get into something new like this, without that experience, even though we may not voice it, even subconsciously, we might still have that idea in mind. 
we might still be looking for that, which is another bit of an issue in how we're not actually completely as open-minded as we might think getting into some things. Also, we are told that there's the one and you're conditioned that way, but you don't know if that's the best thing for you until you experience other types of relationships. Like, I could be going out and experiencing a whole bunch of things and in the end say, eh, monogamy's the thing for me. Uh, but you don't know that uh, until you try, because a lot of this is ideal, but when you actually do it in practice, when you actually are in love with another human being and watching them fall in love with someone else and challenging your thoughts around that, like, I'm jealous. Why am I jealous? Is it because I think I'm left out? Or, you know, where's the compersion in here? Aren't I happy that someone that I love is in love? All that kind of rigmarole is really difficult to sort of process. Yeah, it's a very big maze. And there's a lot of people who think they have a handle on it until they actually hit the maze. They have no clue. And certainly, I mean, I don't think anybody really does have a clue. As they say, our brain is so unexplored. They say that's the next, you know, we're starting, we've explored the seas a lot, but not completely. We're starting to explore space. And now they're saying it's the inner space, the brain that we need to explore next. And a lot of that comes from how our brain is trained, how our brain is accepting of traditional ideas in spite of evidence to the contrary. And also, I, I think that from a practical day-to-day point of view, like, I got to get up. Like, today I went down and did laundry and have to, like, clean the counter because we have teenagers. How do you, you know, you have to go and um, do all kinds of chores and you have your responsibilities of your job. You have all these things going on that you need to get done. And then you have this extra, like, how do you balance all these things together and yet be open enough and emotionally available enough to be able to explain explore these things in a healthy way. It's it's philosophical talking about oh, you know, this is my idea of what a relationship should be. This is this is how I think that it would go, but at the end of the day, the focus to me thinking about is like how do I on a day-to-day basis lead a healthy, practical life? knowing that I have all the stuff to do and I am putting myself out emotionally and vulnerably in many, in multiple situations. There comes the trust. You need to be able to find people you can trust who are not going to take advantage of that. And I don't think we've run into people who've severely taken advantage of that. Your first, I remember you were dating a guy very long time ago who I think was, but since him, that hasn't been the case. We haven't uh, run into people who are so averse to what we're doing, so uh, opposite of what we're doing. I also think we just don't, we, we recognize right away when there's people like that and we don't engage. You know, when you're out and you're socializing, you are looking for kindred souls. You are looking for people who are open. Um, like last night, I was quite amused. We um, had gone out and we happened to be at this table with this other couple that was probably like 10 years older than us, if I had to guess. And uh, we talked about, they were visiting from out of town and we were talking about what to do in the city. And you had brought up uh, a burlesque show. Um, 
and their reaction. And you just right away know, I mean, these these were Americans and they were conservative. And you just, <laughs> you know, you tipped your, do- your toe in, but not necessarily, you can tell right away, is this a conversation you want to have or not based on people's reactions? And right away you can tell that's not our people. It's not our tribe. Yeah. And so you don't engage any further. Yeah. And I remember the look on his face was horrified. <laughs> The look on her face was actually, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's always yeah. nice to add a little shock to a show. Yeah, that was that was an interesting conversation. So speaking of teenagers, or children who were teenagers who are no longer teenagers, and we talk about this traditional idea and how you need to explore, you, if, you can't actually know what you want if you don't explore is I think what we're agreeing on here. Yes. And our oldest now has been living with her boyfriend through college. And we both have expressed a concern that she's not going to have any other exploration beyond this, potentially. We don't know this. This is just a concern we have. And we were talking about how, and I think this is a common thing among people who see this as traditional. Once you find something that you want, or at least you think you want, I don't need to look anymore. And I think a lot of people do that without even thinking about it. They just assume this is where I should be once they find something comfortable. Well, isn't the irony that you don't know something until you've, like you have to, the only way you know something is through experience. Again, it's like the boundaries. Once you you pass the boundary and realize, whoops, I should have stopped there. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously we 100% support our children and their decision making. But as as typical parents, you know, we talk about our dreams and goals for our children and where we want them to go. And, and one of a big part of my lesson that I've learned through my life going through <laughs> a lot, a lot of stuff is the way I be, I feel like I have become today, you know, and I'd like to think that I'm emotionally and mentally healthy, is through a variety of experiences. And unless you dip your toe and try different things and meet different people and experience different things, I don't think you can find yourself. And I don't think that you can, you know, grow and continue to make decisions that um, that lead for fulfilling life. Like, I'm of the, the Joseph Campbell kind of thought when he studies mythology. It's, you know, the meaning of life, 42. Yes, 42. But the meaning of life is to live it. The meaning of life is to experience it. And if you're not experiencing life, you know, the good, the bad, the suffering, everything, um, you're not truly living to the potential and being in the full joy of it all. And with Joseph Campbell, of course, I don't know that everybody out there would know who he was. What was it he wrote? Um, uh, the myth, the hero with a thousand faces. He's He studied mythology all over the world and uh, discovered that there was sort of one common hero myth underlying all the myths around the world, regardless of where uh, spontaneously humans uh, came together. And in fact, um, what he is sort of known for the most is George Lucas and Star Wars had used this archetype to to build out his stories. Yes, Star Wars is his masterpiece inadvertently. (laughs) And speaking of books, actually another one of your authors that I just read. Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey, yes, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I've just finished listening to the audiobook because I'm lazy that way. 
And I have went through it twice, and there was so much meat in that book. I mean, we're going to talk about at some point, maybe not in this, but we'll talk about it at some point down the road about dependence, independence, interdependence. But there was so much meat in that book that I have heard at sales conferences, that I have heard at presentations through my years. And it all came together that this is finally the source material that most of those things I've heard have been pulling from. And my only complaint about his book is the religiosity of it. It was just too much of that for me. But other than that, it was actually quite good. And one thing that did strike me that I remember him saying in this, and I look at this as a view that polyamory takes, is he says, love is a verb, not a feeling. Yes, it can be a feeling, but that's not the end-all and be-all of love. You have to actually show love. You have to actually give love. It's not about just feeling it. And I wonder if that right there, again, is another thought that's a pratfall for some. Absolutely. I think that uh, it's this initial thought you have as a teenager that the world has to come to you and then when you grow up you realize that you have to go to the world and your life is your actions it's what you do it's what you think it's what you challenge to experience and if you are loving of something you have to show that love if you are respectful of something, you have to, in your actions, you have to show it. It's, words don't mean much unless they're backed by something concrete. You know, this is the, it reminds me of the CBT training that uh, I got uh, when I was in my crisis part of my life and in therapy, this whole concept of looking for evidence. So, you know, I would say, well, when I enter the room, I would feel X, 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 and X. And the therapist would say, where is the evidence to support why you feel that way? And you realize how ridiculous it can be and how your thoughts can kind of uh, turn things around. But looking for actions is a way to ground yourself and ground it in the situation you're in. At least that's what I found. And if you're not looking for evidence, then your brain tends to gestalt. It tends to fill in details, whether accurate or bullshit. They sometimes, and I know I, I was long since guilty of this since I was a child, is that mine would fill in the worst possible scenario. That's your imagination and it going is. in overdrive. It is. Well, <laughs> but when you're not looking for evidence that can get out of control. And it's not just teenagers. Mm -hmm. It's adults do the same thing. We are not always at our most mature, even when we're at our most aged. The, the clue I found to stopping that is when is, is communication. You ask, this is how I'm feeling. Is this true? You know, or is this, this is what I'm thinking, you know, let's talk about this. I think that's the most effective way to combat uh, rampant assumptions and imagination. Absolutely. And we have an example of that a couple of weeks ago now. No, maybe only a week ago, where you sent me a text saying that you wanted to talk about us. Mm -hmm. And in a text form, that's it came across as ominous. And I actually said, this sounds ominous. Is this a good talk? I said, is this a good talk? And you said, yes. But the fact that I asked that question at least took the ominous out of it. Yeah. Very quickly. Because if I had left that alone, my brain would have started to go, oh dear, now we're into a problem. But it, uh, it correct, luckily I did ask, 
And sometimes I haven't. Sometimes I'm pretty bad for that, that I let my imagination flow. I am a writer, after all. It's not always a good thing, mind you, but... But But I have found that asking, you know, clarification on things makes a huge difference even in my mental state. It's if something I'm confused about with, in a relationship with someone I trust, I find that if I ask the question, it, or for clarification, or ask, look, you know, go part down this path, your sense of stability and being is feeling so much better. And I know you're similar to me like this, where sometimes I need some time to figure out what exactly it is that's bugging me or how to approach that, because there's no excuse ever to not be kind or respectful in your asking. Or, But I think that uh, taking that risk, and a lot of people find that asking those questions are very risky. You're risking your emotions. You're making yourself vulnerable. They don't want the answer that they're not looking for. Yeah, and that's, that's tough, which... You know, trying to keep in mind your overall goal. If you're in a relationship and your goal is the health of the relationship, then the questions are reflective of reaching that goal as opposed to, you know, having some other motivation around it. And that's the other question, though. With a relationship, what actually is the goal? Or is this just the journey? Because relationships, yes, some of them do end. Many of them end over the years, whether it be friendships or whatever along the way. But... The goal of a relationship is to go forever for many. And they forget that that's maybe not realistic. Maybe not completely realistic for everyone. Uh, We have an example again. I'm going to use the kids as an example here. We have our son who's in high school, who is right now, I think, and I'm going to use um, Seven Habits term for this again. He's very friend-focused, and he's convinced his friends will be for life. And, of course, you and I look at this having experience and say, yeah, no, I have what I would call one friend who I've known since grade two. And I have one friend who I've sort of rekindled a little bit who I knew in high school. Beyond that, I have no friends from when I was that age. And I know you, you have a couple of friends who you knew back then, as far as I know, but that's kind of, it's no longer the level it ever was. Yes, as I've changed and my goals have changed and their goals have changed, we all evolved in different ways, that common ground is not necessarily there anymore, uh, the way it once was. And that's always it, the common ground. And you have to sometimes ask to make sure you're still on it. Yeah. You ask what the question is, ask what you need to know, ask for consent. Yes. You're better off asking, period. Okay. Can I tell our our listeners a secret? Okay. I'm hungover. Yes. And uh, I think we should wrap it up. Okay. (laughs) We we were at the second city in Toronto last night, and there were a few adult beverages that were partaking Just a few. Just a few. So we will wrap it up at this point. And just to reintroduce ourselves again, she's Laura, and you can find her on Twitter at Laura's Pond, L-A-U-R-A-S-P-O-N-D. And I am Chris, or on Twitter, at C.P. McLennan, C-P-M-C-C-L-E-N-N-A-N. Or you can find my writing at www.cpmcclennan.com. Why do you still say www? Tradition. (laughs) The Mr. Andrew tradition. Yes. Is this where I should do a Fiddler on the Roof jig or something? Throw my hands up and yell, tradition. Tradition. 
That's okay. At least I haven't called it the interwebs. During That's this. true. Thankfully, yes. thank yes. you. We are we are becoming tech savvy, sort of. Sort of, yes. So we're not going to wait another two and a half years for the next one. Hopefully. Don't know when we'll do it uh, starting a schedule as of yet, but we're going to try and do this more often and get back in the flow. And just a quick note that on March 28th of this year, I hope this year, we're going to be attending Polyamory Toronto's Rock Band Night event. So if you're in the Toronto area, we'd hope to see you there. For information, use the app Meetup and look up Polyamory Toronto. And with that, you can reach us on Twitter at politics underscore podcast or our email address for any questions or concerns or good jokes. Reach us politicspod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Bye.